Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. I'm assuming Jack's not studying for finals or anything like that. Yeah, I am with uh, my 10,000. <laughs> that was the fakest laugh. I'm studying for finals with uh, my 10,000 <laughs> other friends because uh, Jimmy's mom told us to. She said, don't go to the football game. I want you to be in Carrier or Rose Library, ECL, studying for finals. And Jimmy said, okay, mom. Jimmy said, I won't go to a day drink or the football game. I'll study. Um. (laughs) We'll get into the attendance in a little bit. Um, You know, people are. Yeah. I mean, if you follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News, you've probably seen it. Um, Yeah, that's all I can say. We'll talk. We'll talk about it just because I feel like we started the chain reaction. I think think we accidentally did by just saying. I did not expect yeah. a discussion topic to occur. We'll get into this later. We'll get into this later. We, we don't <laughs> want to start things off. What we do want to start. Yes, let's yeah, start with actual, actual football. football. I, in the outline, I put UNI first and then Monmouth. Should have probably flipped that. I like that. Oh, unless you like that. I was going to say, what did we see out of Monmouth going into UNI? But well, however you want to say this, just <laughs> you get us going for football today. Because I feel like sometimes okay, I, I, I like the, the uh, questions on accident. I like the Monmouth talks. So I was interested, or maybe a little bit surprised, actually, that Monmouth started so well. They had two 93-yard <laughs> touchdowns, the run, and then uh, the kickoff return for a touchdown. I was, I was certainly surprised that there were 21 total points in the first you know, two and a half Oops. minutes of the game. But I think, J- Jamie, you settled in, and it felt a lot more like the game that I expected, where Jamie sort of blew them out. Um, they outscored them 59-7 to after the 14-7 start. Crazy. So that, that was pretty st- – standard or at least closer to what I expected just because I think Jamie you have better athletes and playing at home and off a of bye week all that stuff um yeah I don't know what were your thoughts I, on the win? so yeah like you said a 93 yard run to start with the game with with Pete um and then the 93 yard kickoff return all of a sudden at 14-7 and Jamie sitting back and are kind of like oh is this like Colgate last year or something like that because I kind of had flashbacks because I didn't see the first couple plays. I just tuned in when I think it was 14-14, and I was like, oh, Lord. 
But Chase Kitty had a tweet that was fantastic where he was like, folks, I wouldn't be too worried. JMU is going to win this game because I don't think Monmouth can maintain this 93-yard per play <laughs> like <laughs> tempo they have going. And that was so true because after that, I mean, yeah, Monmouth had that really good pass um, from their quarterback, Matt Mascara. Is that that's it? Um, no, that's their kicker. Kenji Bahar. Yes. Kenji Bahar. Um, he had a really good throw and catch with um, his receiver for a touchdown. Um, kind of burned the – I think it was Leslie McCormick. Um, but then after that, it was just all JMU. And I don't think it was fair after that. I, don't, I didn't think we were going to see a, a, a playoff performance rival Sam Houston State in terms of offensive output. Yes. And then, like, JMU quietly did it in this Monmouth game. It wasn't like a big play, a blocked punt for a touchdown like in Sam Houston. It wasn't a huge fumble to, like, change the momentum. It was JMU – slowly but surely crushing the throat of Monmouth. Right. There was so much of this that was defensive scores. Obviously, you have the late Charles touchdown interception return, but the Sam Houston State game, like you were talking about, you had the early special teams plays. You had these sort of early plays, a lot of interceptions, things like that, that sort of jump-started all of the scoring and sort of led to that crazy output. And I think that was – this one was definitely quieter too because the Sam Houston State game was built up like it was going to be a yeah it was a full five Sam Houston exactly Sam Houston could throw the ball really well they were coming in expecting to be decent and obviously folded in the cold and on the road pretty hard <laughs> so that was why that one was was so exciting but yeah I didn't think they'd ever have a playoff game where sixty they plus surpassed the sixty five yeah was, when I saw the final score that it was sixty six twenty one I was like oh my lord like. They destroyed him. Danucci had himself a fantastic game. It seemed like – I feel like – I think at one point in the game, Jamie was averaging 10 yards per carry. Like, they may have finished – no, they finished the game at 5.3 yards per carry. But, I mean, Jawan, Percy had fantastic games. Van Horst, not so much. But Jawan Hamilton, is it me or has he come on huge as of late? He's looked – sort of more like the back that he did when he was at UCF when he was a really big time contributor. And that's, I mean, that's scary if you have him and, and Percy and I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like the backfield now looks like we expected it to yeah. before the season. When, yeah. I think things have shaken out. I don't know what happened with Van Horse. I don't know if the, t- I think he was banged yeah, up a little bit the last few weeks. He, he was such a good back, especially a, a receiving back um, to start the season. And then as Latrell Palmer got better, Van Horst's carries started to get split with Palmer, but now here we are, and it's really a two-headed back. I think Latrell, he, if he comes back, you might see him in short yardage, but right now this kind of Percy Jawan backfield with Ben running the show, I think I think this is my what we see through Frisco. Yeah, I think so too. It, it just seems like this is what's working. They can run Danucci a little bit. To have those two yeah. running backs, and then you've got Tanucci. I think at this point, that's probably what yeah. they feel most comfortable. It's what they're gonna. It's what they're gonna go with. Was there anything in that Monmouth game though? It's kind of weird. I mean, it was two ninety-three yard touchdowns, and then kind of the perfect mm-hmm. pass in the perfect situation for them to score their twenty-one points. But was there anything that kind of worried you? Maybe the special teams, maybe something like that, or was it just a couple fluke plays that you think Monmouth was able to put up twenty-one? So the Jamie Sports blog has done an incredible job of pinpointing the fact that when Sam Kidd got injured on kickoff coverage 
um, the, the unit took a massive step back. And I think that's fair. I think that when Sam Kidd, who was basically the Robert Carter Jr. that they had last year, when he runs down is the first guy down and just blows up kickoff returns mm-hmm. or, or punt coverage or whatever. He was doing a great job of that. And earlier in the year, their coverage coverage was great. And then kid got hurt and that's really hurt them on kickoff returns. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure, because they don't boot the ball. Um, I believe the broadcast said that they actually, Jamie, you would talk to the men's soccer team and was looking to see if they could get a kicker who could boot the ball through. How the true zone. is that? Cause they also um, didn't realize that JMU was division one. That's a very good point. I think that they actually spoke with someone on the football team who told them. So yeah. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust it. But take it with a grain of salt because they were talking about like getting D1 transfers. It's like, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Something to, to keep an eye on is a kick coverage. My other thing is just like they've had some slow starts, and this is a little bit of like picking nits. But you look at um, the Elon game stood out early in the year where they gave up a weird touchdown and then they outscored them 45 to 3. Um, they've had some other games too. I forget exactly which ones, but where the other team, I think New Hampshire even maybe started reasonably well. Towson was in the game. Richmond, if you didn't have that uh, fumble, was going to be command. Yes, yeah. yes. Really good point. So I think that that's something that stands out to me is just, I don't think Northern Iowa necessarily is going to pose a massive issue because I don't think their offense is explosive enough that if they get up, I don't think they'll be able to pull away. Um, but if you get to the semifinals against Weber or Montana, and then the championship against yeah. what appears to be North Dakota State. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Then you can't have like a 7-0, 14-0 deficit um, like they faced in 2017 when they fell down yeah. early at halftime to North Dakota State, even though I thought they were the better team and they weren't able to come back. So that's my my thing. If JMU can start strong, I think they're the best team in the country and kind of impossible. And to beat. here's kind of a question I saw posed on some social medias around around the JMU Twitter sphere, Facebook sphere. They were talking about how some of those kicks were really bad and kind of short. And I know they can't kick it deep. And after having a 93-yard return on you, they didn't necessarily want to kick it deep. And Zignetti kind of talked about it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't openly say it. Do you think some of those kicks were just bad? Or do you think at one point they said, let's just pooch it to the 30 and let's do more directional kicks to do that? And people just I've... didn't realize it? Because that's what I got the assumption of watching the game but now that i'm hearing everyone else i was like oh was i just completely wrong on that assumption were they just bad kicks there are a few kicks that go to like the 10 that i think might be mishit because i know camden wise i believe he's a kicker on kickoffs can normally knock it down to about the five or so so i mean if it's like the 15 or the 10 i would say those are probably maybe mishit but the ones that were like super poochy i think those are that's a very intentional just like all right we're gonna kind of force him to call it okay because i saw that and i was like did i just really watch this game and i was like saying wow what great directional kicking here and then it could have been just bad i believe this is the right game were you listening to the announcer who was complaining about how they didn't put really fast people as like the up back so i'm gonna be honest um i watched the game but it was kind of on mute okay so I believe they were doing short kicks and like Drew Painter would call a fair catch or he did one where he tipped at the sideline or something that didn't make any sense. Um, and the announcer was basically like, if they're going to do short kicks, put in four kick returns. <laughs> and the other guy was like, well, what if they kick it deep? And then the guy in the back catches it and you have like three skinny wide receivers blocking. He was like, it's an interesting point. <laughs> so I don't think they really got anywhere <laughs> on that groundbreaking new method. Um, but I mean, I think if you're JMU, um, your defense is so good that you can't give up kick returns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just, them, you, If you yeah. need to poach it to the 20 and have them call a fair catch or whatever. If then you need to that. poach it to the 40, do that. 
Because I don't right. see a lot of just teams. Make it so yeah. your defense is on the field, especially against a team like Northern Iowa. No offense, but they're Are a you saying something team. about Northern Iowa's offense not being good or something? Very bad. Let's Very look bad. it up. Let's, let's look. I probably should have pre-done this, but Northern Iowa's offense, just a fun fact, isn't a top 50 offense, scoring offense, in the FCS. I think they're scoring like 22 a game or something. But I might be But more... Yeah, while I'm looking all of this up. I believe JMU has 73 touchdowns and Northern Iowa has 37 on the season. Is there anything that kind of worries you about this Northern Iowa game or not really? I think JMU should win this one pretty easily, but I guess if I had to say, well, <laughs> we'll get to it in a second. But the way their coach talked about this game, I would say that JMU shouldn't <laughs> worry. Um, but I mean, the the one concern is that Northern Iowa does play really good defense. So if they can find a way, I think, and I, I could be wrong, I think the weather's kind of supposed yeah, to be I've crappy. Yeah, I've been seeing that. So I think if you've got, like, cold, nasty weather where it's maybe rainy and you've got a really good defensive team, then, yeah, I think you've got a chance for maybe a, a turnover slop fest. And if that happens, then obviously it's turf, so it's not like mud slop. But, you know, just like the wet ball and all that stuff I think could lead to – a low scoring game where maybe they get stunned, but even in the rain, even in the, all that, I'd be surprised because they spend so much time in spring ball too, when the weather gets kind of crappy and Harrisburg yeah. going out and practicing. So I don't think they, they'll be surprised. I mean, it's also like today was crappy weather. I'm sure they practice. And also that. like they, like JMU's a run first team. That's going to like, if they're Signetti would love to run the ball 50 yes. times and that's perfect for muddy, wet, nasty conditions. And I don't, yeah, I just don't see Northern Iowa's like. I'm writing a piece right now, and I, I was doing it on the train ride home back from Virginia to to Hoboken, but I lost Wi-Fi. That's a completely different story. I'm off the tangent. I'm writing a story. <laughs> that, was my, that was my favorite. Just how sad you sounded. Like, I, I was really Wi-Fi. going too. It was really coming together, and then I needed some stats, and it was taking like 30 minutes to pull up a stat, and I'm like, this is going to take me forever. But I'm writing this this piece, and it's kind of just saying, like, JMU's on a different stratosphere in terms of talent this season. In terms of talent and coaching all coming together, I don't see another team being on the same level of JMU. And that's from an objective point of view. If Like, that's not even a fan's perspective. Like, JMU has, as the announcers were saying, Division One transfers across the board. Like, they have superior talent to, I want to say, every team in the FCS – and I don't see a Northern Iowa team even threatening JMU this weekend. Northern Iowa, yeah, they had that really good game in the opening weekend against an FBS team. I forgot even who it was. But, like, Iowa State. yeah, so much has changed since week one. You know, like, this isn't the same Northern Iowa team in week one. This isn't the same JMU team as week one. I'm just really excited to watch JMU blow them out this weekend. I think that's a good point, too, because people – I've seen some people saying that, like, well, Northern Iowa played Iowa State close, and Iowa State only lost by four to Oklahoma. Well, then you get into – And Oklahoma's in the college that's football like the, playoff. That's I'm like, you can't big, do the transit yeah, property. Like last season when JMU beat Radford and Radford – Right. Like, JMU beat Duke last season, guys, if we're using the tra- – Yeah. In men's ahead. basketball. Yeah. So, like – yeah, you can't do that. It's a different team. Iowa State got better throughout the season. They also didn't beat Oklahoma. <laughs> and you look at um, Northern Iowa, I think, arguably, 
um, hasn't gotten a ton better. I don't think they've they've looked and, much better. So sorry, finish your thought. I was just gonna say I don't, I don't. I mean, they've gotten the, you know, blown out pretty badly by South Dakota State in the past and by North Dakota State, which I think is more representative than an August game against yeah, Iowa and State. Looking across it, they're in conference. I mean, they barely beat a bad Youngstown State's team. 21-14. Mm-hmm. They lost to Weber State. They lo- they got destroyed by North Dakota State. They got destroyed against they got destroyed by a South Dakota State which at the time was missing their quarterback if I'm not mistaken. Um but then more injuries piled on for the Jackrabbits and it was kind of just them limping their way into the playoffs. I mean Indiana State they only won by 8. They did beat Illinois State. That's a pretty good, a solid win by 17. But you just look at it, and you can't just peg that Iowa State game because they have some bad losses on their resume. They have some bad close win. And I know JMU has their close win overtime against um, Stony Brook. But I don't know. This, this, is a, this is a different beast in James Madison. And I think you and I's coach kind of said it in his press conference today about just like, they have more resources than us. They're better than us in every position. We'll be there Friday, but that's about all I can say. You know, like, right? I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, that was those were really interesting comments, where it was basically like we're going to show up and see what happens, which I think is sort of what teams have to do against Jamie playing on the road against a team that's won what four consecutive games by thirty points, seven consecutive games by double digits. So they're playing at a really high level. They haven't lost against an FCS team this year. And just to go back to the weather, it does look like it's going to be absolute trash. So it looks like rain and freezing rain throughout the day, maybe transitioning to mostly rain overnight. But right now it's a hundred percent chance of rain. Uh, Thank Friday you, meteorologist. So the attendance, will, I'm expecting the attendance to be about 2000. I, that's a tough one to go to though. I think the semifinal actually has a chance. Assuming Jamie wins, have a, have a pretty sizable and, and very, I have one more point before we head into the attendance talk. Yes. Who – so bad weather and everything. Who do you think is going to be the offensive X factor this week and defensive? That's a good question. I'm going to say that offensively, I want to say that it'll be like Percy just because I think they'll run him a lot. But I might also say Riley Stapleton because I know that it's going to be crappy weather and they're going to run the ball a lot but I also think that him what he's able to do possession wise in this kind of game I think they're going to be able to hit him on a lot of those like eight yard out routes yeah. they do or like 10 yard out routes those little curls and stuff I think that's going to be huge and probably the most effective passing just because how of much the do you think Riley's so injury think will play into big. it I heard that he was injured I mean I don't even know that <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I played well against Mom, if I did not know that he was banged up. So now I feel like that was a bad take by me. I'm looking it up because I swore I heard it. <laughs> was he? Ah, well, if he's hurt. I'm looking it up now. <laughs> then Stapleton, nope, that's not it. I thought he played well. He I did like play really well. well, but I thought I read somewhere that he got kind of banged up near the end of the game. Well, I'm going to assume he plays and he's my pick. Riley Stapleton was slow to get up but it's making his way to the oh, sideline. Bree Sports okay. tweeted that. Um, oh, that's, that's... I don't think he saw that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to say that he, he's healthy. If he's not, we started a rumor. We can start a, um, you know, another, another discussion topic. 
get some angry people in our mentions. But uh, yeah, I'll say him. What do you think, though? Oh, and then defensive. Sorry. Um, let's say defensive. I'm going to say hard to pick one person. I might say the secondary because in this kind of weather, if they can make Northern Iowa one-dimensional and just force them to throw the ball and the secondary can have any kind of respectable performance, I think they'll win. Okay, so offensively, I'm going to go with Ben DiNucci. Um Surprise, okay. surprise. I think what, I think oh. when he needs to put the ball in the air, he has to have like almost a perfect pass just because of the weather. And he's going to have to make some some big-time decisions in the RPO game, everything like that, blah, blah, blah. Like the, the cliche talking, the – the typical thing we say every week. Defensively, I'm going to go with, if you can pick a full unit, I'm going to pick a full unit, the defensive line. I think the weather will already make you and I one-dimensional and force them to go onto the ground. And I think if the defensive line can show up and have a fantastic game like they normally do and make you and I zero-dimensional, this game's a wrap. The JMU wins by 50. I think with the weather and how JMU's defense is played for most of the year, I think there's – a really good chance they hold Northern Iowa to less than 10. I think there's a really good chance Northern Iowa doesn't score a touchdown. Yeah. Okay. So, you brought it up. <laughs> I, I don't know what, what question to lob up to you. Do you ex- Here, I, I'll do this. We'll start things off. Do you expect attendance this week to be better? Uh, no, just because of the weather. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily expect it to be higher than the 10,881 <laughs> that they had. Um which is which is fine, um, and then just to go back to like the <laughs> initial article is I wanted to put an article up like right as the game ended just to see if people would like respond to it. Um, well, they did respond to it, I guess you could say. Um, so that was an interesting thing that we were trying to do, and I just tried to put a few thoughts out there, and I started looking <laughs> at the attendance numbers, and I was like, because the game was over, right? Like basically early second half halftime, the game was over. So then I'm looking for storylines to write in the little five takeaways. And I saw that the attendance number came out and they announced it on Twitter and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, that's a lot lower than the 17,000 the <laughs> DNR had reported that Jeff Ford said was um, expected. So I was, I was interested by that. And I said that it was a weak crowd, I believe. I said that, um, you know, I was kind of surprised that for winter go home games, they don't draw more fans. And then people interpreted that. They read it and they're like, oh, why do you hate the kids? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, like settle down there. Like, what are you talking about? And people basically made it seem like I hated children um, and that JMU kids should all be like suspended for not going to the game and that there are finals and all that stuff. None of that was my take. It wasn't even a take. My thing was basically like JMU was committed a lot to football. They added a stadium addition. I forget the year. 2011. Past, they, they, they played their okay, first 2011. game in 2011. Okay. So 2011, they add this stadium addition to get 25,000 in there. It's been a really valuable addition, right? Because they get close to it a lot, a lot. But in the playoffs, they, they don't. And I thought that was just interesting. And I get that there's timing. I get that there's a holiday. I get that there's all that. I just thought it was interesting that they weren't and aren't able to draw more. I don't know if there are things they can do within the community to get more Harrisonburg um, locals to come out or things like that. I know some people mentioned affordability, and that's totally fine. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to – what am I going <laughs> to rag on someone for being like, oh, wow, you really can't afford it. Like, no, I'm not a psychopath. Like, that's not my thing. If people can't afford it and they want to go, I think – there should be a way that they're able to go. And I know there were some like ticket donation kind of things that were going on um, last week. I get it. I mean, I want, I just want people to go. I think it's, it's great for GMU to have big crowds. And it's surprising to me that multiple FCS teams have not figured out GMU included sort of the playoff 
attendance conundrum because it's something that, I mean, you want the home field advantage. You play for it all year. Then you have a half empty stadium or more than half. It was like 57% empty. Um, that's surprising. It's a little disappointing. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not blaming anyone. I know people were like, well, I had things to do and I have stuff going on. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah me neither too. one of us go. Like, there, I'm not, so like, we're not right. ragging on you for not right. going. I'm, exactly. I'm not trying to yell at anyone or get mad. I just thought it was an interesting point. And I think sometimes in my big, overwhelming, broad brush, like picture of this and sort of the reason I'm a little upset is that people jump to it like it's personal attacks. People would respond and tell me what they were doing on Saturday. <laughs> like, well, I was shopping with my mom. Like, I don't, I don't fucking care. Like, man, I'm not mad at you. Like, I'm just saying it's interesting that all these other games draw all these people. And then you look at all the other factors where it's, it's hard to plan for it, which I totally understand too. You don't know exactly when they're going to play. So it's hard to kind of revolve your life around that and make those different decisions. But I also think that it's fair to question JMU only getting 43% of the stadium full for a playoff game. I think that every time we talk about JMU, it doesn't have to necessarily be positive. And when Jeff Bourne estimates 17,000, they come up 6,000 short. I think that's a topic to me. So I think that's okay to talk about without people freaking out and making all these long posts about how we're all Dukes. Like, I'm not saying we're not all Dukes. Nobody is saying (laughs) that. Nobody ever said that, right? So that's what... Those posts drove me nuts when it's like, we're all JMU and we need to love each other. It's like, yes, but we can also still question things and not have opinions that are like, we are the best university in the world. I love JMU. I'm a JMU stan as much as anybody else out there. Like, I love the university. But there's also, I think we should question, why are there only 10,000 people? Is there something we can do to get more people? Is there stuff that, you know, students would be able to do? Or are there things we can do to make students go? Things like that or make them want to go? or even just other fans. I mean, like, what can we do to make this more exciting and, and better for the players? Just because I think that, you know, it's, it's fun when it gets closer to capacity and um, I don't think we should blame anyone. I don't think we should get mad at anyone, but it's still okay to have the topic around it without being like, you hate Dukes. Like, no. So that's just my take is like, I think it's an interesting discussion point, And I don't think that every discussion point around JMU has to be that JMU is like amazing at everything. Yeah, and I think the story of this all came from the DNR when they said Bourne is reporting that 17,000, roughly 17,000 are expected this weekend. And we we were crunching the numbers. Bridgeforth had 18,000 ever in a playoff game. They've come close. But they've never hit that 17,000 mark. And I know he said roughly or, or whatever his exact quote was. I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head. But, like, that's really where the story came from. We were all expecting this fairly crowded game. The top of the, the, top of the 25,000 extension isn't going to be full. We know that. But the bottom bowl is going to be full. Is at least what we expected. Then we turn on the TV. And it's just not that full. And... And I get that there are exams and things like that. But then you look at the exam schedule and that much of the university wasn't in an exam. And I can tell you, I won't get into that, but it, it's just like, <laughs> they your kid, no, well, your, I will, your you kid wasn't studying. Like, cause there was, I, I don't think there was um, a lot of exams on Monday or Tuesday either. I think a majority of them, I'm going to pull up the yeah. thing now, but I think a majority of them were Wednesday, Thursday, or even Wednesday, Thursday, no, Friday's closed. But, like, your kid wasn't studying on a Saturday, and 
if you're a, if you're a student listening to this right now and you pulled that one over on your if you're on your parent, good on you. That is fantastic. But yeah, Monday to <laughs> all exa- and then we have people tweeting at us like explaining how finals work. They're like, "Oh, so you've never had to study for a final?" And I was like, "I did 2 years ago." <laughs> Jack was in college. Last year. Last this year. Time, like- last year I was studying for finals too. I had 3 on one day last fall. Like I get studying, but I also get I never studied that Saturday and maybe I'm fortunate because I'm a, I'm a better, not a better student, but, but like, I never really had to study that hard mainly because I paid attention all, yeah, se- all semester. So like final exams weren't really that hard for me. And maybe this is a really like terrible take of mine. I, there might've been full on Saturday, but I think that was just to get out of the warmth. I just don't think students really wanted to go to the game, which is fine. Just back to Bennett's question of, how do we make students, how do we make locals, how do we make alumni who live two hours away make it worth their time to spend three hours sitting outside in the cold? Like, that's the question we need to get right. back to. And that's the question that the NCAA schools across the board, not yeah. just FCS, FBS, Division Two, Division mm-hmm. Three. that's the question they're all trying to do. Because even North Dakota State's attendance was down. Mike Feely tweeted out that, like, it was kind of a surprise. They were down, what, a thousand or two? Like... Yeah, he's expecting a low one this weekend. And like, too. where is the disconnect now? Because in 2016, we were putting we, JMU was filling up the stands to about 16,000 week in, week out during that run. Granted, I think it was only two games that year, but like, was that because there was hype team and now it's expected that this team is going to be good and they're going to go to Frisco? And now it's kind of a question of two is Frisco going to be a lot of purple like it was the last two times we were down there? I, I don't know. Right. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. You look at where JMU stands in the college football world. And if I'm a casual football fan and I've got a chance to watch JMU Monmouth on a December Saturday in person, or I can stay in my apartment, drink beers with my buddies and watch Oklahoma play Baylor and then watch other <laughs> football the rest of the day. Uh, or even if it's on JMU on ESPN three, like it's exactly. a nationally quote exactly. unquote televised game. Also, real quick to and right, clear up the exams, they go yeah. Monday through Friday. They do go Monday okay. through Friday. I just pulled up the schedule. I I don't want to look that stupid on the podcast. I do want to clear that up. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point too. Where it's you know, even if you are studying, I don't think that's we're not like we're not blaming anyone. We're also just saying that it's the attendance is something that in at least in my opinion, instead of – you not instead of. You should appreciate the people that went and give them you know, kudos for going 100%. And I think you can also wonder and think about, well, what can they do to get more fans on a more consistent basis for these playoff games? Because they put so much pride in and- playing home playoff games. They pour so much money into athletics. You look at the, the new basketball arena that they're building. You look at the fact that they added a stadium addition – uh, for football in 2011. I mean, they pour a ton of money into these things. So I think it's fair to question the attendance instead of being like, oh, you can't do that. We have to applaud everyone who went. Like, you can applaud everyone who went and then also wonder, like, hey, how can we what get What about the more? other 57%? But also, like, right, exactly. this week leading up to the game, I felt like there was a, a solid push from JMU Sports itself and, and a lot of fans, too, to be like, guys, come out, like, root for Dukes. Like, come on out. I have a question for you and kind of posed it earlier in the week, early in the week. It's Tuesday when we're recording on Sunday, maybe about it. Do you think 
the changes in tailgating has affected student and overall alumni and just overall attendance as a whole, like the changes from closing upper convo and moving it to baseball and having to have a ticket to tailgate. Do you think that's kind of affected attendance at all? I don't know how much it has um, just because I know some of the, some students who would tailgate wouldn't, wouldn't ever make it to the game. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's where I was thinking too, how much it kind of coincides. I don't know how much it does, but you also probably know better than I do. Cause I didn't have a chance to experience the changes. Um, but then I also, you know, worked, and I guess you did too. Yeah, I didn't rush the game. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> neither of us really, really have a, a whole lot of firsthand experience. It could, for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just it's fascinating to me that they would draw, you know, just ten thousand. That's all because it was a pretty nice day. I mean, I know it was cold, but it was still a pretty nice day. So I was surprised by it, and I'm not totally buying that. You know, five to ten thousand people didn't show up because they were studying. That's all. I wasn't like blaming them. I'm just saying I don't know that I buy that that rationale for why it was low. And it's interesting to me because. Um, from my perspective, wanting to go to games, I want to go to JMU games when JMU can can lose. Like, not that I want to see JMU lose. I just want to see a game where there is intrigue, like, the chance. Yes, the chance of losing. Right. So some intrigue. So last year, like I drove with my family. You drove up. From oh my Harrisburg. god, I that drove was from Connecticut so to Colgate. Fun. I thought they were favored against god, Colgate. Text, I thought they had a good the chance of winning. But I, we had that day where you're just like. Colgate's absolutely <laughs> trash. And then they... the morning, the morning confidence followed by the like <laughs> the sadness, <laughs> the the evening sadness was the ten hour. Like that's a game I thought sadness and silence. I definitely thought there was a chance they could lose. Right, I thought that was a competitive game, and I thought the win would put that team, or it would put that team against North Dakota State, which I thought <laughs> it was could have. Huge. I don't know. So, <laughs> so like that was a huge huge reason for going is just it had to me it had like if you win this one then you get a huge game next week um it's you know within four hours of me so i'm gonna i'm gonna go and then you look at 2017 um i was working it but still (laughs) you have those different experiences where it's like if i'm a student and they've got stony brook weaver state south dakota state all really good teams yeah i'm going to those games like the team was on a massive winning streak and now they're at a point where they're like so good that people just like, oh, they're going to beat Monmouth by 50. And, and they, they're going to beat know, Northern beat. Iowa by 50. Right. So they blow all these teams out. And you're like, ah, I don't really know. But then that's where I think like a game against like a Weber or Montana could draw more people out. And that's just, I don't know. That's what's interesting to me is like JMU's getting close to a point where it's it's just better than everyone. But I mean, it, they drew like 22,000 for the Richmond game. Like they've drawn Yeah, they've had really, they had a sellout earlier in the season, I think against what, Villanova? Yeah, probably. What was that one? Family yeah, I think they, they, they sold out one game this season. And I yeah. think it's just funny, too, that there are fans out there that are kind of like, let's expand Bridgeforth again. Let's get it to 40,000. And it's like, let's really pump the brakes on that one now. Right. I mean, those are, you can dive so deep into those, like, where people will get mad at us for this take, but then they'll also be like, oh, it's so embarrassing watching ODU play in front of a half empty bowl yeah. stadium. It's like, huh, okay, well, you know what you just did this week? <laughs> like, you played in front of a half-empty playoff stadium. Like, it's not that different, you know what I mean? So, like, this Monmouth-JMU game on the national stage had really no no relevance, um, which is fine. I'm just, I don't know. It's hard to explain the whole attendance thing. It's hard to really Without us sounding like it. grumpy old men of, like, there weren't enough people there. Like, we understand that there are lives. Like, we understand all of that. We both weren't there. Like, we didn't go. <laughs> we understand that. That's not what we're trying to say. Like, we're just saying it's kind of sad that this team 
like as much hoopla and like yeah. hype there is around this team on the social media verse, it just doesn't seem to always translate to the stadiums. And that's a that's an NCAA problem. That's an FCS problem. That's an FBS problem. That's not a JMU problem. We're just saying, what? Why is it? Right, and then what can they do to maybe help improve it yeah. for those playoff games? I know this weekend they've got like a tuition giveaway and all these things. I don't think they had those last weekend, so yeah, I think that that'll factor in a little bit. But I, again, like it's if it's thirty seven degrees and it's absolutely pissing rain. <laughs> I understand why people would not attend that game, but the people that do attend that game are going to have an absolute. Oh, it's going to be the most. That's going to be actually. I, I wouldn't say that because Weber State was a fun, damn fun game, and that was a great one. Sam Houston was a Sam great Houston one. was great because we weren't expected to blow them out. You know, like right surprise blow. Yeah, those are the best and close. Ethan Ratke, who is the replacement kicker at the time, <laughs> right. so. Turns out to be the best kicker in program history. <laughs> Remember, just let's take a quick down to, to, to cool off from this attendance debate. Yeah. Not debate. Takes. I don't know. Um, just remember there and they trot Ratke out for like we all forget, I think it was Jimmy's fantastic pass breakup on third and like five or something like that. Like that phenomenal defensive stand right. just to give Jamie the chance and then it, it all plays out perfectly and then they trot out Ethan Racky for what a 42 yard field goal and we're all thinking man like we haven't seen I think it might have been longer some really long field goal for a kid we really had never seen kick before like he had he hit his like 30 <laughs> yarders and like field goal and point afters but like this was his first right. real field goal in the cold and he snuck it in oh, we also Two. always forget he almost missed that. Like that was in the bottom right corner. Oh, it's, it's, it's snuck right in there. Yeah, no, it was it was trailing to that side too. But heck of a kick. And then crazy too that it would happen like those years where the year prior you had the huge semifinal kick by Tyler Gray to get yeah. twenty to seventeen lead, and then you have Racky, the other kicker, come in the next year in the quarterfinals. Because it felt like when Weber State scored and went up twenty eight twenty, it felt like they won. It felt like Jamie do, was done. Do you remember? I'm really glad we're on this this memory train of Weber State because I are like I think that might have been one of the best JMU football games in recent memory. But oh, yeah. do you remember um, Trey Sharp on the two point conversion attempt? Oh, he, he had, had no business scoring. Score. He had no business scoring. <laughs> that was insane. Insane that he found insane his way. Insane that Mike Houston's conservative ass. This this episode. <laughs> calls this this episode is already explicit. We've already cursed a couple times. Calls a run yes. from two yards out. That is – have Donnie you K. ever played Madden? That's the classic play action or not even that. Just run the stick concept bootleg. Just roll out your quarterback. He can either hit <laughs> yep. the guy on the goal line or run yep, it. You got – you're hitting some sort of bootleg. <laughs> you're either hitting a slants or like a curls. We need a quick – we need something quick, quick hitter. But nope, we're gonna we're run. Not, we're not doing a run. Run it out of the shotgun, and Trey's gonna get. With that being said, it, it worked. With that being said, I run the ball about three percent of the time in Madden. See, so. I don't just because in my mind you. Oh, you've got the Seahawk Seahawk Madden. <laughs> I I do kind of stick by it. I'm like I have to run to set up the play action, even though the game isn't tailored like I that just, at all. <laughs> I just go an empty set and sling it. <laughs> I'll throw like four picks a game, but we're putting up points. <laughs> anyway, 
No, but I mean, we talked about the attendance. We got that done. I think that. Do you have any other problems with attendance? Like, please say it in a nice manner to us, because like, we don't. We don't. We're not trying to yell at anyone. Like, we're just trying to discuss on how there are ideas to make it better. Yeah, we just think it's interesting. We think it's an interesting topic, and part of it is that like the Monmouth game was so boring that I need something. And also, like, they were off by six thousand. That was confusing to me and has never been explained. So I don't know. Maybe that's just like the journalist in me being like, what the hell? But um, I don't know. When you see earlier in the week, and I had a dumb take that turned out to be a dumb take. Um, I was like, oh, the 17,000 sounds about right. <laughs> and then we looked it up. Uh, no, and then we not. looked it up. And it had yeah, never happened it up, before. We're like, that's never happened. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But we'll see what happens this week. And we'll see what happens on the 21st when students are very much gone. Um, might be tough yeah well you know what that leads us into perfectly fcs pick cs pick-up. Heck yes. you're up 10 10 wins six losses i'm at eight and eight um jack this is getting this is getting rough yeah I'm, I, i've really owned you in pick <laughs> beat you last year beat you this year in CA, and now I've got God, why am i so bad at pickups you need to come back. Sometimes you believe too much in CAA teams. That guy, you you got got by the undercover. Last I also week. got got by Rhode Island, the beginning of the season. Yes, they got you. Well, in your defense, they probably should have won the like, Capitals. I know, and I would have won the CAA pick if they did. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> I still I'm two and zero with a with a good chance of going three. Okay, North Dakota State, Illinois State. Who you got? Illinois State, I think, is somewhat interesting because their running back is very, very, well, very so was, good. Well, so was um, Monmouth. But what did he do? 10 yards after his 93 yard? Yeah, he's not as he's not as good, <laughs> in my opinion. He's he's pretty good. But I think Illinois State's a little more legit because they play tougher tougher competition. But they're pretty much he's pretty much the only guy that can really do anything on that team. So for them to win, it would have to be really low scoring. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that North Dakota State is going to play for the national championship. <clears throat> okay, so NDSU, you got same same thing. NDSU is the team that's most comparable to JMU. I do think JMU is a better team. We'll get to that in the championship when we have to pick that game. Um, so yeah, Montana State, Austin P. This is interesting because Austin P. I think we both projected to lose to Furman <laughs> and they beat them forty-two to six, and then they just upset the number four seed Sacramento State forty-two to twenty-eight. So I will be honest with you. I've never seen Austin P play a football <laughs> game in my entire life. Not just this year. My entire life, I've never watched Austin P play football. Um, when I look at what they've done this year. <laughs> I knew you were. Now, I knew you were. <laughs> they have been on an absolute tear. But the opponents that they've played have not been all that good. Uh, I think Montana State is a solid team this year. Not a great team, but a solid team. They've been pretty impressive at home. They beat the living crap out of Montana to end the season. So this is a team that's competitive. They love football. <laughs> um, they they play in Montana. They're I state. They're, I want to say they're the Bobcats. <laughs> and um, <laughs> No, they're playing well. I don't think they're going to lose this game. They just beat the undercuffler. You think <laughs> they're going to beat the undercuffler and then lose? No. So I like them to win, win this one. It's a Friday night game. ESPN also, three. that's really weird. Can we talk about that for a second? Three of the four games Confused. are on yeah. Friday. A lot of Friday night games. I don't, don't understand. Oh, what an incredible ESPN two double header though. You get JMU, U and I, and then Montana Weber State. I didn't even get a pick. My that's Montana great. State Austin P team. Jeez, you're skipping right ahead to Montana Weber State. Sorry, these matchups <laughs> are way more exciting on the other side. 
All right, go ahead. Yeah, North, North Dakota State, I hate to be this guy. They got a free pass every year. <laughs> no. um, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> they do, um, They do. I would say, have a fairly um, winnable draw, and I think that... Yeah, I don't know who you think wins Montana. I, did I pick Montana State yet? <laughs> now you did. Now you did. <laughs> okay. Um, you know who I'm going to pick for this one? Oh, are you going to go with the little peas? Yeah, I'm gonna go with a little piece. I got Austin, the Austin PP. <laughs> if I was, they're like the governors or something, yeah, though, right? Don't they have yeah, a great name? If That's I awesome. wasn't down two games right now, I'd go Montana State. But Austin P's showing this is a, signs. I don't like, hate this. Yeah, is a good pick. Youngstown State was the last team to make it to the championship. The last and first <laughs> team to make it to the championship game as an unseeded team. Neither have I. I have not seen Austin P play a snap of football this season. But watching him put up 42 on Furman, who I thought was a pretty good team, and then kind of obliterate Sacramento State, which was overrated, I'll give him that. But I don't think they were 42-28 overrated. Um, I think Austin P is vastly underrated, and I think they're gonna they're gonna kind of shock the world and and beat Montana State and then get destroyed by North Dakota State. So now we're to you against you and I. Who do you got? JMU. Okay, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do scores? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Because of the rain, I will say 31 to 6. I'm going to go 42. Ready for this? Ready for this? To yeah. 2. <laughs> the safety the safety prediction. I love it. Um, I don't know why. I, I just felt overcome to it. To do something. No, actually, forty-two well, to five. Okay, so they had a field goal to the state. Okay, Montana, Weber State. Who do you have? I just also want to let you know, whoever you pick, I'm picking the other one. Yeah. Okay. Well, business.com is where I used to work before I got my job at the Daily Progress. Business.com had people who worked in Ogden, Utah, home of Weber State. Um, I have nothing else to add to that. I just wanted people to know that I did once work for business.com and they had some Utah connections, some very nice people from Utah. Um, and that's something, right? They talked about how beautiful Ogden was all the time. And um, I, th- I think it is beautiful. I think it's a beautiful place. And I think Weber State at home, 7-0. Montana at home, 7-0. Both teams are 3-3 three and three on the road. Montana beat Weber State at home. You look at the fact that this is going to be played at Weber State. I think they'll win just because they're at home. Now, I am a little alarmed because they barely beat Kennesaw State, and that makes me think that what the hell is wrong with you? And I forgot about this score, and I just scrolled down, and now I'm second-guessing. Oh, Did you see man. Montana? What, what Did were you see Montana's score? <laughs> 73 to 28, but then they got blown out the week before. Um, just give me Weber State because they're at home. That's a terrible logic, but well, the attendance for that game at Weber State was 5,000 last week, so I'll stop complaining about that. <laughs> I wonder if they had a, one of their Weber State sports news um, come under fire <laughs> for attendance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have to connect with them. We'll to get I'm actually there. really glad you picked Weber because I really wanted Montana's matchup. Really? Yeah, because Wow, you want to go against Constantine, <laughs> their quarterback. See? Like, yeah. Was he there when they... No. 
Yeah, that's very wrong. Continue. <laughs> was this the guy? No, they had like yeah, a senior, yep. right? They had like, like a really, really old senior. Guy, he, was like, he was like, he was like, yeah, well, he was like 42. <laughs> Wasn't he? He had been there for like eight years and he was like 37 years old. Of course, we almost got upset playing against a guy with like four kids. Sorry. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, Southeastern Louisiana wasn't that great. But, like, to hang 73 on a team is pretty yeah, impressive. Pretty- also, um, Weber State, I don't know. You barely sneak by Kennesaw State. You almost got upset by them. Montana really isn't that far from Ogden, Utah. It's not like JMU's going to Weber. Um, so I don't think, like, travel's as big of a deal as we may think it is in this game. It's kind of like... Yeah, but they're going to play in front of 5,000 people that might be paying attention. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go Montana because I think Montana is is really on a war path, and I think they're going to set their date to get destroyed by JMU. Would you rather us play Montana? I'd rather us play Weber. See, that's interesting because I also thought that. And then people were talking about this on Twitter. Everyone who's not, like, super young like us and, you know, super yeah. youthful and, like, our great skin and we're, like, super strong and living healthy lives. Uh, <laughs> no, all these other people that have been around longer. JMU had, what, like, a tough loss to Montana in 2008 that didn't, all these fans were, like, stoked Didn't they to get. also beat Montana in the national championship in 2004? I'm checking Sorry, I think Montana... Just we need like a resident boomer. We're like, okay, boomer. And we'll just <laughs> That's tell gonna him. get so much shade. Let me... <laughs> yes, they did beat Montana in the two thousand four champion, but the two thousand eight game is what yeah, fans really like, want. So that's why Montana it's so- has a lot of history with JMU. And like And they did it out here. Like history we haven't also I've been staring at Montana. And that doesn't look like how you spell Montana. Oh, I thought you were looking at like oh, no, no. Like, that's um, <laughs> you do that. <laughs> you do that for everything. <laughs> but like, there's a lot like early, to, not early two thousands. The two thousands, I think, was like a JMU Montana, like similar to JMU North Dakota State. That's yes. that's just that's like the feeling I'm getting because I see, I see what you're talking about too. How fans are like, we want Montana, we want revenge. I think that could actually be better for oh one hundred ten percent because all the students all the students are already gonna be gone so the Weber State like connection is gonna be a little less strong. Well, it'll still be strong among alumni, but, but, but I think that the Montana one could actually and be Weber really State strong. only freshmen were there for that. Only seniors were there oh. as freshmen for that, right? Okay, right. I got confused. That sounds. What year was that? 17? Oh no, ju- juniors. Juniors, seniors. Never mind, my math. There's. Yeah, but they're all going to be yeah, like they are. So Montana will bring back alumni. I think Montana, yeah, it could really draw the alumni. So that, that I do want to try and get um, down there for one of these games. Bro, I'll be there. I'll be there. For I don't time. think I, I. And by that, I mean I can't because life. Um, Make your, there's no excuse. <laughs> Never. I do want to clarify my take is that I do think that every person who did not attend the Jamie football game um, last week is going to rot in hell. Yeah, that so, wasn't your take though. Okay, that's 100 percent my take. So. Great pick them. Do we yeah, pick we all did. the games? We did. So we actually have two differences. You can tell me. What are they? You have Austin P, the PPPs, and the and Grizz Grizz. And the Grizz Grizz. All right. I feel. Who would the hell? Montana State. I feel okay. confident about one of those. I think we're both going to go through. I do one. too. I think Austin. I think Austin <laughs> P is going to lose. And I think Montana's got. But then win. I think Montana's got a decent shot. All right, I stand by my Weaver pick. Good because if you did, I'd have to switch to Weaver. Okay, 
So we're done with football. We're done. We've wiped our hands clean of attendance. We've said, if you're coming at us, come at us at JMU Sports News in a respectful way, and we will be respectful right back. You can also find us on Facebook. Just type in JMU Sports News on the uh, search bar, and I think you could probably leave a discussion thing in our page. I don't really know how Facebook works. We don't really use it much. You can also donate $5 to us on Patreon um, if you're that involved. Now, once you check us out over on our social medias, Facebook, yeah, like I said, don't really know how that completely works. I think you can put something in the discussion there. I'm not sure. But, yeah, that's our football talk, our attendance talk, our FCS pick'em talk. Um, we were sorry if we offended you, the Austin PPs, the governor. Sorry, excuse me. Um, that brings us into some quick basketball hits. They've, men's basketball has been off for double-digit days. Um, we don't really have a game to go off of outside of the for abysmal, abysmal game. But we found a quick stat that I think JMU fans would enjoy. Do you want to share with the uh, with with our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so it's any time JMU under Lewis Rowe has had it's um, at least ten days off, right, in between games. Ten days off, yeah, double digits. They have lost every game by double digits. Is that Owen three? Owen two. Owen two. But that's they've lost by a combined forty four points. That's bad. They've lost, and then they have one coming up here that we expect them to lose by double digits. No, it's just interesting that they had so much time off, and to see them get sort of blown out in those two games when they have a big gap, where it seems like that would be the time to work on a lot of stuff. Especially that Fordham game. The Fordham one is yeah, Last the one that we're, that we're really referring to is they had it was a ton of time off, sixteen days I believe, six yeah, sixteen days, and they end up losing. 75 to 48, which is obviously a really bad showing. 78 um, to, to 45. Yes. No. Was it? Was it that bad? I thought it was 75. Yeah, those three points make a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> was it that right? Well, whatever it was. You were right. 75 to 48. By, okay, well, yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> was it that bad? <laughs> I don't know why I heard it differently in my head, but when I heard the eight, I was like, that would be astronomical. Anyway, um, yeah, it was just a bad loss. So I'm interested to see because they got crushed. They got crushed by Radford last time I lost by 23. Um, and if it was like 24 or 25, that'd be horrible. But, but since it was 23, that's pretty good. No, but they need to they need to start winning games. He Lewis Rowe said in the O'Neill's press conference, he's like, you know, I know that this group is fine and we're going to be fine. And um, I don't know that. Personally. I don't, I don't think that, like, I, I heard that too in the OS press conference. He was just like, we're going to keep working. Like, I get that your goal isn't to win these non-con games. It's to win conference games. Right. But like when you're dropping, like George Mason games and ODU games feel like conference games. Mm-hmm. You snuck away from the ODU game. You blew a lead late. You shouldn't have won that game. George Mason, you got kind of your your ass handed to you in that game. Like, I don't know. It wasn't that great of a game. And Radford, you just got destroyed. So like, I get that these aren't conference games and you're playing for that. And you think you're going to be fine, but like you're losing to Coppin state who is a bottom feeder of the CAA, you know, like you have to be good in your conference games to conference games to think you're going to be good in conference. And they haven't been good. 
Right. I mean, you can look at a team like Radford. I don't even think Radford this year would win the CAA. You look at Coppin State, like you were saying, you stick them in. They're probably not a top team. They're definitely one of the worst teams in the country. I mean, you can't have those kind of games. And Jamie right now is five and four, but you take out the Shenandoah win and they're four and four. I guess you could, you know, barely count the Virginia loss because Virginia's on a different stratosphere than JMU. But still, I mean, if two of your last three games are double digit losses to Radford and Coppin State, I don't know that you can say that it's all going to be okay because you're you're struggling a lot and conference play is very close. The team does not look like it's it's and, really trending in the right direction. And you open conference play, your first what one two three five games six games because Drexel's fairly solid, but we'll say five games. Hofstra, good team. Northeastern, the defending CAA champions. UNCW, a team that historically gives you trouble. I know they don't have Devontae Acock anymore, but historically, and by historically, I mean in my recent memory, yeah. has really given you trouble. College of Charleston, I think Grant Riller is still there, and he is a deadly sharpshooter. Grant Riller also might be. No, he's College of Charleston. Yep. And, like, he's really, really good, and he's given you trouble. I remember last season or two seasons ago, he – Will Charleston back to win a game. And then you have Delaware, a team that is receiving votes right now and is undefeated. Like, you're not opening up against five Coppin states, you know? Right. That's a that's a really good point is that they've got, you know, three. Nine and one. Delaware's nine and one. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, yeah. Yeah, they did start nine and oh, though. You're right. So they started um, really strong. They're playing well. And, yeah, you've got Hofstra and Northeastern at home, but two really challenging and then UNCW might be the easiest of those five, but it's on the road where JMU also historically under row has been just dreadful. Then you've got at College of Charleston, like you said, Delaware. And, and then from there, you get sort of into the meat of the schedule and you sort of go back and forth with some of these teams. But they need a good season in conference play. And right now they have shown me nothing that would make me think that they'll be an above 500 team in the conference. And here's the sad thing. As I'm scrolling through, I'm like, okay, you might be able to beat Drexel. Probably will. We'll give you the Drexel win, but you'll split with them because I don't think you're going to go to Drexel and beat them. I mean, not even that. Like, I don't know. Looking at it, and I see maybe five wins in conference right now, the way this team's playing. It's just so – because this was a year I really thought they were ready to take a step forward, and you look at what they do on the defensive end, and it's it's more or less nothing, Um, and that's going to – Really kill you. You can't be giving up ninety four points to. Coppin They've State allowed nine points in their last three games. Almost a hundred against Eastern Car- East Carolina. I think that one we won, right? Yeah. So that was oh wait, my fault, my fault. My fault. My fault. No. Well, you're two of the <laughs> was, last three. You're. I was confused too because Rose said they allowed ninety and three straight in the O'Neills. So it threw me off when I was looking at the stats because they did not. They allowed 89, but basically, no, but you're right. I mean, like 94, 89, 94. I mean, they're allowing what that's an average of over 90 points in the last three games. That's yeah. insane. Maybe that's, that's what insane. Rome meant. That, that would make sense. There you go. <laughs> we have figured it out. We both struggled there, <laughs> but we've, we've gotten through. But I think I agree with you that like early in the year, I feel like you go through the conference schedule and you're like, you know what? I think they can win a lot of these games. And then as they start playing, you go through and you're like, that's a loss. That's a loss. That's, a... and that just kind of becomes demoralizing because even William and Mary was supposed to be kind of meh and they've actually proven to be fairly decent this year. So I just, there's a really good chance this team finishes in the bottom half of the league. I would say I, I would not be surprised if this team sitting in the bottom third of the league and somehow will win one, maybe two CAA games, CAA championship games. Mm-hmm. 
because that feels like that's what they do. But they're going to be a bottom for team easy this season. Unless something can click, unless their offense can turn to defense, unless their defense can get stops. But Roe was kind of self-aware about it in the mm-hmm. O'Neill's press conference where he was like, we're not doing much on defense. Like, we're so high energy on offense, but we're just not playing well on defense. I think his, his take was definitely fair in terms of, like, they need to sort of just simplify and just play really aggressively. I think that's the thing that I've never seen with this team is just, like, aggressive defense where people have their hands up, they're flying around and playing actively. If they're able to do that and then sort of combine that with pace that they have on yeah. the offensive end, it could be interesting. My issue is even, like, on the offensive end, they have pace, but they <laughs> they don't have a lot of direction. They just run down and, and jack threes. They run down, throw the ball around the the – behind the three-point arc about four times, and then Matt or Darius is going to take a contested three. And then you pray you get an offensive rebound and you do it all over again. Like, I haven't seen a good offensive set that gets them a, a good look inside. That's, yeah. I mean, if all you've season. Got, if you've got, Zach Jacobs has been decent, but then you have Dwight Wilson. Dwight Wilson's a guy I feel like you've got to feed. Yeah, you got to just give it down to him. And especially in conference play, because conference play, he... He's kind of a bigger guy, maybe yes. not so in non-con, but in conference play, you just feed it to him. Let him post up guys because he's a better athlete than most. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has the pieces to be good. Michael Christmas is a talented player, but you look at the results and it's... But uh, are we are we too... And that it just brings us back to the question, are, are we they too high? Are we too high on this roster? Do we think that this is a... Like, if we're really looking at this roster, it's a roster of what, one three-star recruit? Yeah, I think it's a top half of the CAA roster that is going to play like a bottom half one. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's like a necessarily a CAA title winning roster. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, is it going to be? <laughs> going to be sad. It's going to be is, sad, but interesting. It is interesting. You're right. It does become actually rather fascinating. <laughs> but you know who's going to be fascinating from start to finish? Deshaun Parker. <laughs> Women's basketball, man. You didn't like that guess? No, not at all, because that was another bad take of yours Yeah, that, was that I was fully in agreement with. God. Women's basketball, I do love watching them play. I have a, we haven't, we don't get to see him for a while. Yeah, I mean, December 16th, we'll see him again. 17th, we'll see him again. Here's a question for you. Oh, yes. Is Kamaya overlooked by the league? Yeah, the fact that she didn't win, like, Conference Player of the Year last year was just insane, um, in my opinion. No, they, in a lot of people's opinion. So it sparked this was Katie Prince, the uh, yes. women's basketball SID, um, for the last two seasons, one season. Um, she's no longer with the program, but she tweeted this. I'm no longer with JMU Women's Basketball, so I can say this. The league's dumb for not giving Kamaya the, the award, and it kind of got me thinking, is Kamaya – the best player, and is she overlooked by the league? Yeah, I think so. I think she is the league's best player. I think she probably should have won it last year. I think what Katie mentioned that, um, you know, if she wasn't playing for JMU and had the same stats and same kind of thing, she probably would have won. And I think that that might be fair. I think people have become so accustomed to JMU being great in women's basketball that they overlook the team a bit. And, and uh, yeah, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, they look at the roster and they see Kamaya, Jackie, Lexi, Kayla. And at la- at last season, um, I'm blanking on Logan Reynolds. Yeah. 
and I mean, it was a roster of, of really good all CAA players. So you kind of sit back and you're like, well, is Kamaya really that good? Or is she being helped by the fact that she can't be doubled every time? Um, right. But I think she's scary good. I mean, she averages 18.1 this season, um, four rebounds a game, 80% free throw shooter, 45% from the field, 34 from three. I mean, she's an all-around really great player. And I mean, and field goal percentages aren't aren't reliant on the team, you know? Like at last at right. last year at one point she was chasing what? The 50-40-90 club? Yeah, yeah. Like she at, at one point was a part of that like elusive club that I only think Elena Deladon's ever been a part of in recent memory. I've said that a lot during this podcast. But yeah, Kamai's yeah. come like when you Kamai's darn good. That's all I can say. That's that's how we'll finish that one. She really is. And uh, she's special. And here's another question for you. Looking through the rest of the schedule, do you think JMU runs the table? No. Really? J- I think they do. JMU has a history of losing games they shouldn't. UVA this year, Hampton last year, and just random CAA games too. Like last year they went 17-1 and in conference with a weird loss at UNCW. Like this team can have some really long cold streaks of shooting and I think that can come back and bite them. And I think in a game where you match up against a really hot shooting team, all of a sudden you can lose a game. Um, I see them losing one more kind of in the middle of their schedule, let's say mid-February. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop one. That's definitely the safe and smart take. But I'm going to say <laughs> that they win out. I would love to see it win out. And I think they need to win out to get an at-large. However... I think the loss to UVA really hurts. I think the close loss to Maryland, in a way, honestly hurts. I think if you win that, you almost guarantee yourself the at-large. But now you're kind of playing with it. Yeah, it, it might be tight a little bit, depending on what happens the rest of the way. But I think they'll win out. I think they've got it in them. And I also think the rest of the non-conference schedule is disgustingly easy. And then you've got <laughs> the conference teams that are not very good. So I'm going to say that they avoid the loss that you're talking about that is very true, though. That happens every season. So I'm I'm hoping they avoid it this year. I'm going to say that they will, but I think the safe take is probably maybe like one loss the rest of the way. Yeah, without a doubt. So with that being said, let's go back to attendance. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's really dive into how we feel about these stupid kids <laughs> skipping the games. Um, quick wrap up. Lindsay Hammer won CA Rookie Diver of the Month. Congrats oh, nice. to her. That's Lindsay. Um, Rondell was named to Buck Buchanan top three finalist. And Sophia Davis and Michaela White earned AVCA All Region Honors. Wow. Nice. Just scrolling through Jamie's front page. It's pretty good on that. Um, but yeah, those are the uh, awards around. Congrats to all of them. Quick round of applause there. Anything else you want to you want to throw out there? I haven't been to a, a game at Bridgeport Stadium since they lost to Elon last year, and I can't go until next weekend. So I need them to win this weekend so that I can get my own revenge. I haven't been to a JMU game since they destroyed Towson. Yeah, so you're better luck. Last year, actually, no, that's not true. I went to the Colgate game. 
See, I sucked last year. I went to two games. And lost oh my god, game. you're the bad luck. You if can't, was... you can't go next. You can't go. We can't. I have it. to go. I'm going. Ah, <laughs> uh, that Colgate no, game was so much fun. That was actually a blast because they're stupid students. Rundell Carter almost attacked one of his teams. Amazing. And there was the best restaurant I've ever been to Actually? in my entire life. Yes. What? In Colgate? In, um, how, where was it? I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. No, I'm not. It was, it also it was might... McDonald's, <laughs> the New York Interstate. Oh, that's not, where was it? Where was it? Was it real? It Did you have like a mirage because you were so upset for the loss? No, so we went to um, – people have probably turned us off by now. Um, we went to this place the night we got there. It was like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Okay, so you still have positive vibes going on. Still have positive vibes. We get to this restaurant, and these guys are like – they think we're part of the team. <laughs> what? <laughs> were you wearing like a bunch of purple? Well, we were wearing something. They're like, "Oh, we're they were really drunk because it was like a like neighborhood bar." Oh, sweet! And these guys are like, "What brings you up here?" Blah blah blah. And we're like, "Oh, well, uh, we're here for our 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 school's football team. They're uh, they're playing against Colgate tomorrow." And they're like, and then we were just talking the whole time, and then ends up they're just like, "Oh, good luck tomorrow. Go go get them." We're like, <laughs> as we're leaving, we're all like, "I think." They thought we were, 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 were playing for them as we're sitting here drinking heavily and like <laughs> go, go get them. Drink and that. eating such bad food. I'm trying to see if it's called Tom Cavolo's. I had some great experiences last year as well before the game. I took a photo of the team bus, I think. It was like they've arrived. And then people <laughs> were like, are you outside the bus right now? Like, are you – Going to do something to the bus? I was like, no, what? <laughs> and then what else happened? Oh, I, we went to stop to some gas station like on the way to the game. And then as I was like, you know, coming out from the gas station, I had like a Jamie shirt and some random, just like super blue collar dude, just wearing like a big heavy winter coat was like, your boys are going to take a beating today. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, man. All right. And then I was like, ah, I don't know about that because I felt pretty confident we were going to win. And then it turned out that. He knew. He knew what was coming. Uh, I want to say something really funny. This Tom Cavolo's restaurant. Was it like one star? It's like two and a half stars (laughs) on Yelp. But I'm not joking when I say it was some of the best food I've ever had. How intoxicated were you guys? (laughs) At that point, not at all. Okay, that's impressive then. Like, what did you get? I think because it was like a, what? A Thursday night? Was that a Friday? No, it was a Saturday game. So it was a Friday night. Friday night. It was kind of dead, and like the bartender <laughs> was really nice. And we, the food we got was just we got the everything wings, which was like their wings with everything on it. Okay, well, that, that checks out. <laughs> We're gonna wrap this up here. Um, ben and I will probably keep <laughs> talking about these wings, wings off air, but we've said where to like us on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, all that good stuff. So for Bennett Conlin, uh, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. We're not attacking you for attendance takes. We're just saying, how can we be better? Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. See ya.
listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.